You are now listening to Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gap. Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them, and that he was also a necrophiliac. <laughs> And today, I'll be there ready for you guys, but before we get started, by the way, it's Maddie Matt. before we get started, well, let's let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just type in Grinding True Crime, and there you can follow our page, like our page, subscribe to our page, and leave a comment on our page, so that way we can get back to you as soon as possible, and it helps us grow, so keep subscribing and keep commenting and following us. Uh... If you want to continue to listen to us on your podcast stream, just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, and Podvine for those in the U.S. For those outside of the U.S., continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. Uh, um, for those who like what you hear and if you want to support what we do, you can leave a donation. Just type in uh, Cash App or download the Cash App app. And just type in dollar sign grinding true crimes. Or if you have PayPal, just type at grinding true crimes. Uh, listener's discretion is advised. As always, we go into details that may be graphic or not suitable for a certain audience. So listener's discretion is advised. And also just a reminder, uh, not this Sunday, but next Sunday, April 9th, as well as April 23rd, we'll be doing two live shows for the month of April to make up for the live show that we did not do uh, last month. Uh, we had a lot of things going on in our personal life. No need to get into that, but uh, we were very busy and couldn't make it. But we'll make it up to the fans and do two live shows this uh, month coming in April exclusively on Podbean. And for, uh, I believe, from both of those shows, we'll have uh, listeners calling in, correct? Correct. Yeah, for the first time ever, you can actually talk to your host, Gabby Gab, Gabby Gab, Maddie Madden, Top Fox, and just talk to us and uh, chime in. And also, you can do your own story as well. Correct. Yeah, yeah. bring up things in the uh, the news, especially what happened in Nashville. Sad, mm-hmm. but um, that's the introduction for us today. So, without further ado. I'll get started. Maddie, Matt, what do you have for us today? Today, I have the story in the case of Angela Samota. Have you guys heard of Angela Samota? No. No, I haven't, though. But just don't be so disrespectful. You know what, man? That's my line. <laughs> well, she used one of yours. I, I felt like using one of yours, too. You're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're going to talk about uh, Angela Samota and that in the case of Angela Samota. Uh, so let's get into it. <laughs> let's get into Samota of your story. Let's get into Samota, man. So um, 
do not get into some moda. I like what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> Angela was born on September 19th. 1964 in Alameda, California to parents Frank and Betty Samoda and was the youngest of five children. Oh, California. California in the house. Alameda is by Frisco, right? Or Oakland? Uh, somewhere north. I know that. I don't know exactly where, but I know it's northern. Really? Okay. Yeah, it's northern. Why am I picturing Alameda County on the street? <laughs> oh, I'm Alameda thinking Alameda Street. street. Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking Alameda <laughs> Street, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh crap, it's close. <laughs> Um, she was described by her family and friends as a friendly and smart, determined, focused individual who took studying very studying very seriously to the point where if she uh, that she would study all night long if need be to finish anything that she had to do. So she was a so very she was a smart kid. Very smart. Very smart. Okay. Um, that's all we have about her childhood because it's not much. Yeah, so we're just going to jump right in. Let's go 20 years ahead in the future to 1984. Okay. All right. She is now 20 years old, and she is a student at SMU, or Southern Methodist University, in Dallas, Texas. So she didn't move from California to Texas, and she's studying as an electrical engineer and computer science. Wow. So she's a very smart individual. Mm-hmm. She was also a part of the Zeta Tay Alpha sorority. So that, you know, she was just living her college life, having fun, doing what most college girls do. And uh, at this time, she had a boyfriend whose name was Ben McCall, who was a construction worker at the time. Uh, she had a roommate whose name was Sheila Wasowski. Now, I'm telling you guys these names because I want you guys to remember these two names. Ooh. All right. Okay. I'm not going to tell you why. He's what, McCall? Ben McCall. And ben. Sheila, Sheila Wysowski. Wysowski. Wysowski, there you go. I'm sorry. You know I can't pronounce these Monster names. Monster Zeke. Monster Zeke, y'all. That's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> I'm always watching you, Wysowski. <laughs> what was the grand? What was that old lady's name? <laughs> I forgot. Always watching. <laughs> <laughs> the one with the glasses? Mike Wazowski. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, we're just going to jump straight into this and go straight to the case. Okay. Oh, okay. So, the date is October 12th, 1984. She's Ooh. 20 years old. When we have a date. And when we have a date, you know what that means. Something terrible happened. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The state fair was in town at this time, and Angela, with her friends Russell Buchanan and Anita Kadala, decided to go, and they had a great time. She had called her boyfriend to join them at that time, but he wasn't able to. He wasn't able to go because, uh, due to his work schedule, he had to wake up early, and he didn't want to be out all night, so he declined to join them at the state fair. Okay, keep that in mind. Okay. Um, so after the state fair, uh, Angela, Russell, and Anita decided to go to the club, get their dance on, continue to have fun, you know, get their drink on. And it was a little after midnight. And after having a great time after the club, they decided to end the night. And so Angela drove both her friends, Russell 
and Anita home. And before she went to her own house, she decided to stop by uh, her boyfriend's house to spend some time together. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, after they spent some time together, Angela decided to drive home. And at that time, everything seemed well. But around 1.45 a.m., as Angela gets to her apartment complex, she's imme- she immediately calls her boyfriend in a panic. She calls, he answers, and she says, a man was at her apartment and asked to use my phone and restroom. Now, it was unclear if he had arrived at her apartment or if she just let him in. But um, he was there. Wait, so she called her boyfriend. She called her boyfriend. To let him know there was a man. There was a man in her apartment. It was unclear if he was just already in there or if she let him in. Because he wanted to use her bathroom and use her phone. Got it. Okay. Okay. Uh, (laughs) He recalled her saying to him that she will call him back. Uh, and she abruptly hung up the phone. That was one thing he last remembered. Ooh. But you get, there was no phone calls. He then, actually waited? It was 1984. I know. I, I, I know. I, look, look, first of all, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Not to say something. <laughs> Save uh, Ben. <laughs> I, I'm just... I don't know. I mean, I would have sped over. I mean, and and Bruh, or I would have told her, heartbeat. "Don't hang up yet. Stay on the phone." Something in a heartbeat. Yeah, no, you can't save Ben. What the hell's that about? I tried, Ben. Yeah, I tried, but anyway, let me finish. <laughs> so, no phone call came in. Ben kept calling, kept calling, kept calling. No answer. Mm-mm. Now, by now, he's worried to the core. So he did what anybody would do. Well, a little little too too late. late. But (laughs) he did what most men would do. And you know what that is. Get in the car and go. Investigate. See what's happening. Why my girl ain't answering the phone? So he arrives to her apartment. It was about like a 10-minute drive. He gets there. And he noticed that the door is locked. So he starts banging on the door, screaming as loud as he can. Angela! No answer. So, what do you think he does next? You've got to break in somehow. Mm-hmm. Break a window and get in. What do you think, Todd? Well, I think you break down the door or do something something violent to get in there. Because you just can't knock and be like, oh, well, she's not here. I wish he did that. Oh, dear. Nope. I knew we were already disappointed in Ben. Well, I told you to remember that name. Nope. Um, you know what he does? He does what most people would do when they panic. He said simply called the police and waited till the police arrived. Hmm. <laughs> what, man? That's not the aggressiveness that we needed from Ben. I agree. Yeah, I don't. I agree. But, you know, some people handle, handle you know, situations differently. So, and maybe he was probably afraid to see what he didn't want to see or, you know, who knows. So. Yeah, but this is your girl. I know. 
trying to save Grace. I mean, you, if that happened. Oh, you already know me. You know You would have been there, like, even though you left an hour away, you would have been there in 30 minutes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would have been, been zigzagging through traffic, going through the emergency lane. Find a way to get oh, in yeah. there. But, you know, everyone's different. I can't get mad at them. So, the police immediately arrived shortly after. It didn't take them too long at all. And so they jumped into action. Uh, he gave them the description, told them what was going on, and they broke through the door, broke through the uh, through her front door. And when they did, they immediately saw Angela's lifeless body, naked, raped, and stabbed 18 times, uh, mainly in her chest area. Lifeless. 18 times? Mm-hmm. Damn. Oh, a stranger killed her? We're going to see. That seems very angry. Like, it's angry. They say, you know, when you someone stabbed multiple times with passion. That's like, yeah, passion crime. Yeah. Well, let's look into it. Now, at the scene of the crime, there was the suspect's DNA and a rape kit. Uh, rape kit was also used so there was some evidence left by the suspect however being that it was 1984 there was not much that could be done with the DNA that they got at that time because in the 80s it was a little different right yeah so now without um, any leads or any evidence on who committed the crime the police had three individuals as suspects. Now, I want to get to y'all detective skills and the audience as well. I want to see if y'all can guess which three people they suspected as the suspect. I'm sure you get the first two. Obviously, Ben. Okay. That's her boyfriend, and he's the last one banging at the door. Okay. The uh, guy friend that they went to the fair with. Russell. Yes. Okay. One more. Her roommate. Okay, that's your three. What do you think, Todd? I would, I would have to agree with her three, but oh lord, <laughs> I will add the neighbor. Mike Wazowski. Yeah, Todd Wazowski. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, you got two out of three right. The first one was obviously Russell uh, Buchanan, her friend, because he was the last one that was uh, with her that night. The second was clearly her boyfriend because he was the first one to contact the police. And the last one was an odd one. It was her ex-boyfriend who had prior to them breaking up, get this, on one occasion had cut up all of her clothes because he was pissed off at her and threatened that he would kill her with a knife. Wow. Mm -hmm. You didn't tell us she had an ex-boyfriend. Hey. Sneaky. There's a how twist are, in every story. How are we supposed to get that one? Well, yeah. I mean, that's what I was just saying. If you could have got this one, I would have I gave y'all some skills on this one. Okay. What? I would have gave you skills. We know nothing about her. It was a guess. Yeah, but you told us to remember Sheila. I'm still thinking about Sheila. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the twist because the story's not over. Oh. So, um, where was I? I'm sorry. You threw me off. Um, ben and her ex were quickly dismissed as suspects because 
During the investigation, it was concluded that the suspect was a non uh, secretor. Oh, okay. Yes. You know what's what non secretor is? No. Is it not? Isn't it when there's no blood in the um found there's in the no, Yeah, there's no evidence, no uh, bodily evidence. And because um both of them would have had secreted uh, evidence on her because uh the person who I'm um, confused. You guys are not explaining <laughs> what it means to me. Well, because explain it, this, Todd. <laughs> well, because about a good ninety percent or more, or maybe a little less, maybe it's eighty percent. Eighty percent. It's eighty percent of men are secretors as far as like the they have little traces of blood and DNA in the sperm yes. outside of the sperm itself. Uh, non secretors don't have that, so um, it, it narrows down the people and it could eliminate suspects or bring suspects into the question because that's all had, that's all they had to deal with in the 80s because that's what they were trying to get uh the golden state um killer on as well is uh they just knew that his his sperm was a non-secretion so but he was a non-secretor so um that's the only reason why he was uh you know, had they looked at him, he was obviously a non-secretor, but they, they knew the suspect was. So in this case, it's the same thing. You got it? <laughs> yeah. it, it don't matter. <laughs> Just Google it. <laughs> Just Google it. Just Google it. <laughs> their evidence, their body fluid was not there. They were non-secretor. Okay, so they proved that it was theirs. So they had a... <laughs> no, the people, that, the, the suspects weren't According to what Matt said, right? You know, the the non They were non secretors, so it, clearly it wasn't Ben or her ex. Well, well okay. yeah. The wait, wait, wait listen. The <laughs> sus- <laughs> okay, let me explain this. They were eliminated as suspects because the the person who committed the crime was a non secretor. There you go. Okay. Do you get me? Mm-hmm. Okay, but. Then they would have to test them how. Well, you have to. Well, let me let me t- let me say it. Medically. <laughs> they, 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 have, they, have to, they have to jizz in a cup, and okay. then they yeah. test. And then they test it. Okay. There you go. Okay. Thank you. So that just left Russell as the prime suspect. Man, we spent five minutes explaining what a prosecutor is. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I need the details. No, I, uh, I love that. I love that. So there you go, audience. Uh, so that just clearly left Russell as the prime suspect. Even though they had no evidence of him doing anything, he was number one suspect. Of Russell? Russell, the friend. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, Angela's roommate and best friend, Sheila... Who I told you guys remember Sheila Wasowski, uh, <laughs> who was uh, with her mom at the time of the killing, so she didn't even know what happened at the time. She was with her mom when she found out what happened to Angela that she was murdered. She never went back to college. She just that was it. She was just messed up. Instead, what do you think she did? Hmm. I want to see if you guess this one. Oh dear. She didn't go back to college. She didn't go back to college. 
Now, let me let me spin this to, to where I can help you guys guess this. Imagine your best friend gets murdered and there's no evidence. What would you do to what would you do? If it were me, I'd probably try to take that investigation into my own hands and figure out who her killer was. Todd? I think I'd be in the same realm. Um, I don't know. I would probably try to hound the suspect to try to get something out of him because obviously I'd be frustrated with the police. Believe it or not, you're both right. Really? You guys guessed good. Um, instead of going back to college, she worked relentlessly and did her own investigation and, uh, started being her own private investigator. She cooperated with the police. And one of the things the police asked her to do was to befriend Russell because they wanted to see if he can like say something, maybe talk, squeal, or, uh, you know, find, if she can find some evidence uh, leading to Russell as a suspect, because they firmly believed it was him, even though there was no evidence. So uh, she cooperated, and um, she got to know Russell. She got to know him really well. She got to know the family, and she knew right away that he wasn't a suspect. Wow! How did she not know him if she was her roommate and he was friends with her? That don't mean that. <laughs> so they really didn't hang out too much, huh? They just kind of stayed on their side of the room or the house? I mean, I guess, you know, she had her friends. and. But that's what I'm saying, though. If they were such good friends where she's not going to go back to college and take this matter into her own hands, then you had to be close with that person. And if you're close with that person, then you would know who their friends are. She probably knew who her friends were, but doesn't mean that he, she knew him. Okay. Um, so there was nothing leading uh, Russell to being the killer of Angela. In fact, it was determined through family alibis that of the night of uh, Angela's murder, when Angela dropped off Russell at uh, his home, he knocked out. He went right to sleep. He had no idea that that was the last time he was going to see uh his friend. Damn, sucks. Yeah. However, police still had their suspicions. How does that work, though? What? That's an alibi you can't really rely on. If people saw you come home and go straight to bed, that doesn't mean that when those people went to sleep, that you didn't sneak out of your house and go do something. Like, how does that confirm you were there all night sleeping? Well, according to the alibis, family member, they I'm said... I'm just saying that's something I would be suspicious on anyway. Well, the police were suspicious. It wouldn't be enough for me. Well, the police had their suspicions as well. And they were still suspicious. But he passed the lie detector test. And the fact that they still had no concrete evidence on Russell, they were ne- they were never able to arrest him for the murder. So they, they had nothing. Even They had their suspicions because he was the last one to see her that night. They still couldn't arrest him. Hmm. So, unfortunately, 
No one was charged for the murder of Angela Samoda, and this case turned into a cold case and remained cold. And it is uh, still a cold case. You're a liar. Shut up. Stop. I got you. I'm about to say, it, dude. It was a cold case until 2004. I just had to give y'all a little twist. <laughs> this guy. I got to make it a little interesting. Well, yeah, you did, but at our expense. Of course, of course. I'm sorry to getting pissed. I know. So 20 years later, in 2004, the case got reopened in a miraculous way. Well, I know Todd did a recent uh, story about the uh, the family who were witnesses, Jehovah's Witnesses, and um, one of the things that happened was what is it? They were uh, when they were passing the border. I think it was a uh, oh about the computer. The computer wasn't working. working remember? Yeah, and the machine and it just, just so turned happened. On. Yeah, it just so happened uh, a miracle happened and it ended up turning on. Mm-hmm. Well, some could say this was a miracle as well. Um, Sheila, her best friend, some 20 years later, now living in Texas, uh, I'm sorry, Tennessee, she was studying and reading the Bible, and she was reading about the passage in the prophet Daniel. Uh, During her study, she said that she saw a vision, and guess who was in that vision? The murder? Okay. Russell? No. It was Angela. She saw Angela standing there looking at her. And with that vision, she knew that she had to open up that case again. So she stopped what she was doing. Um, when And during that vision, no words were spoken. It was just she looked at Angela and Angela looked at her. Like According, a dream? She said it was a vision. She said she was studying the Bible. She looked up and she saw Angela. And that's when she knew she got to open that case. She's got to go back. So um, th- she knew there was some unfinished business to do. And she was determined to find her friend's killer. So Sheila took matters in her own hands and started a new career as a private investigator. She got her license. She went to school and was certified a PI, private investigator. Hey, she was determined. She was very determined. She would do her own research, printing out reports of rapes and arrests that happened during that time in 1984 or around the time of the 80s. Uh, constantly badgering the police to reopen that case, telling them that there's uh, there's too much going on for y'all to just keep this case closed. She would go to them religiously almost every day. Dang. It was even said that uh, <laughs> the police were tired of her. They even said, hey, you know what? That DNA evidence that we had back in 84 is gone. We lost it. It was It's, it's lost in the flood. They, they, the, actually, the police was tired of her. And wow. sad to say, they didn't really fight to open up the case. They just kept it cold. Wow. Um, yeah. It, uh, like I said, they even said that they lost the case, but 
when she was doing her own investigation, she realized that the DNA tests that they did, they was never lost. In fact, they found some evidence that when Angela was being attacked, she actually fought off her attacker and some of the DNA, it wasn't mentioned, but they had DNA under her fingernails. Oh. Yeah. So her her determination to find this killer opened up more evidence of um, DNA left by the suspect. So, yeah. So, two years later, they finally said, okay, we're going to reopen this case. We're going to send a private investigator by the uh, actually a detective by the name of Linda Crum to reopen the case. So all of her determination paid off. So they used the DNA that they uh, had at 1984 and also uh, the DNA that they found under her fingernails. And they also, uh, the DNA from the rape kit, rape kit, I'm sorry. And they uh, tried to see if they could find a match in their files to uh, prior criminals in their files. Did they? What do you think? I think they do. What do you think, Todd? I think they do as well. Because it's 2004, right? This is 2004. Yeah. They reopened it in 2006. Yeah, so this is prior to the genealogy. So I'm pretty sure they got a hit somewhere. They got a hit. How long do you think it took for them to get a hit, though? That's the next question. A whole year. Okay. A couple weeks, maybe? Okay. Um, you were the closest, Gabs. It took them two years, but they finally got a hit. I was just off. I was giving way too much credit to 2000. <laughs> you said two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> well, two hours. You know. <laughs> well, you said the two right. <laughs> <laughs> two years, they got a hit, and it pinged them to a man named Donald Bess. Okay, who was actually on parole. For a previous previous crime he had committed prior to um, committing the crime in 1984. Now, this is a legit question question I have to ask for you guys and even the audience if you're listening. Do you think criminals should even get the opportunity for parole if they've been convicted of a serious crime? No. You already (laughs) know my answer. I already know your answer. What do you think, Todd? No, I mean, if... um... Jeez, I mean, at worst, or you know, get it like an ankle bracelet, but actually monitor it because sometimes they don't monitor those. So yeah, I mean, it's it's they shouldn't. With serious crime, you should be looked at big time. You shouldn't be able to just walk out willy nilly, do whatever you want on a daily basis. I mean, I I I don't think they should, bro. I honestly don't. Like, if you committed murder, rape, to me, is a serious crime. Anything involving sexual assault on a minor or anything. Kidnapping. Kidnapping. Serious crime. Now, if you got a misdemeanor, you know, you stole some candy or something, whatever. But serious crime? I'm sorry, man. I think you should serve that time you was uh, convicted. Mm -hmm. I already know your answer, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, you can still give your point. It's okay. I'm pissed. <laughs> so if they would have kept this man in jail, she would she would still be alive. 
That's sad. So, um, so this comeback should have never seen the light of day to begin with. So, a little bit quick history about who this Donald Bess is. He was born on September 1st, 1948, in Arkansas. And prior to killing Angela in 1978, he was convicted of aggravated sexual assault and aggravated kidnapping, in which he was sentenced to 25 years in prison. Obviously, he didn't serve all 25, he was paroled. In 1984. But he had just gotten out. Yeah, just gotten out. But as we all know, that's when he committed the murder. In 1985, on an unrelated case, he was sentenced to life in prison in Harris County, Texas, for another assault that he committed. Uh, he was charged for one count of aggravated aggravated rape, one count of aggravated sexual assault, and another count of kidnapping. For that crime he did, he was sentenced to life. So when they uh, found him as the suspect in 2008, he was already in prison, serving this uh, prison term. But he had to go to court, right, to face those charges? Yes. So in 2010, he had to go to court and face those charges for the crime of Angela Simona. So at this point, he's like, just, well, I'm in life. I'm getting life. The only thing he could possibly get, what, you know, the death penalty, maybe? We're going to get into it. So in 2010, the trial took place. And during the trial, what do you think happened? During the trial? Yeah, during the trial. Something happened that it was just like, oh. Plea deal? You asked for a plea deal, maybe? I'll give you a hint. No, I'm not going to give you a hint. No, I'm going to give you a hint. Never mind. No. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think happened? Crazy. Of course. That's what I do. (laughs) He pleaded insanity or something? That's a good guess. I'm going to say he came clean. He carelessly admitted to everything that he did. Well, even if he did, it, it was, the evidence was there. Even if he didn't, the evidence was there. No. Several other women came to the trial and they testified against him as well, stating that they were victims of Donald and they were also raped by Donald. They were just too afraid to say anything at the wow. time. The I looked up several websites. It doesn't say how many women, but it says several. So we were dealing with a serial rapist. Mm. Damn. So with all the women testifying against them and all the evidence they, they had against them, um, uh, there was no denying that this man was the suspect guilty so yeah so with the DNA present at the scene of the crime and the fact that he was already serving a life sentence Donald Best was found guilty and was sentenced to death that's your sentence what do you think Todd 
Um, yeah, I, I would have to say death, right? Because it's he's already been in prison. He's already got life. And what more can you give him? Nine hundred years in prison. Oh, come what? On. Come on. No, I'm joking. He was sentenced to death. He was sentenced to death. Bye. What do you mean bye? Lethal injection. It's 2010. It's 2010. They're not doing that. Stab him. First of all, hug him. This is this is Gabby's Gabby's trial. This ain't no. Yeah, she's like, hang him from the wang. (laughs) Oh, that would be great. That would be painful. That would be great. He'll be squealing. Oh my god, just kill me! What do you think she felt when she was being stabbed eighteen times? I agree. I have no remorse for it. Well, that when, once you mentioned Harris County, I know that's in Texas because my dad watches uh, first. Oh, you know it. First forty-eight all the time. So it's like all the time. Yeah, it's it's like oh, if he's in Texas, there's a very good chance of the death penalty. Oh, you already know. Yeah, they, de- Texas don't play that mess. Yeah. You want an yep. electric pin? Well, let me finish. Let me finish. You sound like that guy. Who? That. Oh, Paul Bear. He needs one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, he was sentenced to death uh, by lethal injection. Um. However, lethal injection. Yes. That's the stupidest way to kill somebody. Yeah. <gasps> I agree. I agree. I feel like if you made someone suffer, you should have suffered too. Didn't go easy way out. But let's look what happens next. In 2013, on March 9th, well, it's not a it's a date, but it's not what you think. He filed for an appeal. Don't tell me he was granted an appeal. You gotta be kidding me. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a twist to it. There's a twist. So I'm pretty sure he got his appeal, right? Wrong. He was rejected. Oh, Uh, good. The judge said, nope. Nope. We're rejecting that appeal. In 2016, he filed for another appeal, however. And that one was granted. That one was granted, but not in this case. They rejected that one as well. What? I just threw you off for a little bit. Yeah, they rejected it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Get to the point. <laughs> I'm playing around with y'all. <laughs> no, yeah, he he filed another appeal in 2016, but the judge again uh, denied that as well. So that man was serving his sentence until death was to meet him. And death did meet him on October 8th, 2022. What? Wow, 20, all right. 20, 2022. Why does it take so long? I do not understand not even, this. Not even a year. What day? Like, put him in order, hour by hour, one by one, out. Like, why do they sit in prison for years, for decades? Now, I am shocked feeding off of living their life from everybody else's taxes after the crap they do is beyond me. I do not understand that. I agree. Now, but like Todd said, when you mention Texas, you, you already know execution, but I'm surprised they uh, he was on death row for 12 years. Yeah, Texas this, usually doesn't take that long. No. 
They don't. I don't understand that. Now, California and other places like that, you could be on death row forever. So. Oh, yeah. 24. For, yeah, for real. I feel like if it's so clear that you're guilty, there's no doubt. Like, you cannot excuse yourself. Mm-hmm. Kill him right away. As soon as you exit that courtroom, kill him. Why are they being put in a cell occupying room? <laughs> guilty. Take his clothes off, kill him. I'm serious. <laughs> like, if there's no doubt that this person is guilty and it's proven. Well, it was no doubt with this guy. It was, yeah, there was no doubt. And they had countless amount of rapes. Why the hell don't they just take him straight to the freaking electric chair then? What about the gun range? Put them there. Oh, that would be fantastic. Target Daily, practice. Let, let me come shoot, please. I mean, these they are, should use them for target practice. These are the guys that are frustratingly just getting breaks at their breaks and stay out there and commit more, more uh, crimes. And then eventually, you know, they're they're caught. But then when you look at the rap sheet and what they got or got away with, it's like crap, man. You know, they beat the system so many times. Yeah. But can I can I throw in my twist? Let's hear oh. the twist. He didn't die from the death row. Oh, jeez, come on. He died of a heart attack, natural causes, and prison. Mm. But, yeah. So while awaiting for death row, in 2022 of October 8th, he died from a heart attack at the age of 72 years old. Well, at least that's more painful than a stupid lethal injection. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I hope he suffered slowly. I'm sure he did. Well, the thing is, is like, you you know, when someone like that passes, you're like, man, I hope they fell asleep in death. You know, they, they had a heart attack while they were asleep and they didn't feel nothing. In this case, if you're Gabby as well, you're like, well, I hope they were wide awake watching Jeopardy. And then all of a sudden <laughs> it just hit them like a you know ton of bricks and slowly suffocated them as their life was squeezed out of them. Yep. <laughs> and then their wang fell off. That's what. How they wangle? No, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just telling you what Gabby's probably picturing. You know, what I mean, like the perfect death, like that. I'm coming, Elizabeth. <laughs> My wang. <laughs> My wang rotted. <laughs> Did I throw you off a little bit with this case? A little. Bit. <laughs> I had to make it a little funny. <laughs> Sounding all southern. Because it was in Texas, so I got to think, how can live Southern, you know? This just reminds me of a lot of cases lately that we've been seeing due to the advancements of DNA, due to the advancements of Mm -hmm. police agencies now making up uh, cold case units that are tackling cases from the late 70s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. And they're catching guys that are in their 60s and 70s now. You know, they're giving them life sentences, which, of course, you know, they're probably only going to live another five to 10 years in jail. But it's just, it's nice to know that the whatever family members are left, because most of the time the parents are dead of those that, you know, lost their loved ones years ago. It's nice to know that there's closure, but it's also frustrating on the other end that these guys don't meet their demise, which they should in jail, or they should have been locked up 20, 30, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of sad. I mean, it's a, it's a catch-22. It is a catch-22. Uh, it is. It's good to know that in 2016, though, because of the ter- determination of uh, Sheila Wasowski, um, uh, the Dallas police department reestablished a unit dedicated to researching cold cases. Yeah, see, there you go. So that would that's some shining light to it. 
See, I'd have a commercial with that little whatever. What is that? But uh, no, it's not a sloth. It's a. What was the bugler or the alien that she was in Monsters Inc.? She was that slimy, like a snail-like type creature, a slug. A slug. Yeah, like I would have either, you know, a printed card with her face on the front, you know, or, <laughs> you know, um, you know, make a commercial with that character and try to get the rights from Disney, of course. But uh, it'd be like, uh, I'm Private Eye Wazowski, and I'm always watching you. You sound like somebody. I'm not going to say who, but you sound like somebody. And stop laughing, because y'all... Stop it. <laughs> stop, you know, God dang it, you know who it is. I won't say. I won't say. We'll keep that to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But unfortunately, that was the case of Angela Samota. Hmm. Poor wow. girl. All yeah. that brain. 20 years old. As smart as can be. Life taken away from some jerk who should have been in jail at the time. And I still... I'm, I'm not, mad at Ben. I was just about to say that. When I was reading this, man, I was like, Ben, pull up to the scene. You could have... I'm not saying he could have saved her. Who knows? But he could have done. He, he might have gotten there. He may have gotten there on time the to catch thing. the guy. Yeah. To stop him from doing this crime because he was a serial rapist. I'm sure he was raping females prior to him being caught in 1985. It's so sad. I mean, it's just like on one hand, you wish that she never opened the door or, or however he got in. You know what I mean? Like, there's just so many variables to it. It's just. It's sad, you know. You're not there to, you know. I'm not here to victim shame or nothing, but it's just like, man, it just it's it sucks that that had to go down in general, you know, because that's that's got to be painful. 18 times to the chest, you know. She's a, she's alive most of that of those. Oh eight. yeah. Plus, she was fighting back, mm-hmm. and for her to fight back for her for him for her to have his DNA under her fingernails, she must have was fighting for her life. But you yeah, know, I can't imagine because I mean. Sometimes you're in, you know, you're in a spot like that. You're using force that you would not normally use. So, like, you know how, like, you grab someone, you're like, oh, I, you know, I'm sorry, I kind of bumped you or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. if she's she, if she's digging her nails into somebody, you know, she's that is fight, like you said, fighting for your life. You're doing something extraordinary. You're scraping DNA and, and using that, you know, not intentionally at the time. Intentionally, you're just trying to get the person off you, but. If you're mm-hmm. digging that hard, man, it must be some pain you're feeling and some adrenaline that's rising to the occasion. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But uh yeah, that was the that was the story. Wow. Well, thank you for presenting that case, Matt. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you guys listening and thank you all for listening. That's on the radio and the podcast. We thank you. <laughs> We're always listening. <laughs> Your turn, babe. Change your voice. No. Do it. <laughs> Wait, do it. <laughs> uh, first of all, I want to say to the audience out there, thank you so much for continuing to listen to us. We have come a long way, and we've seen the growth in all of us, and, and including in the uh, audience that we have. We have a very a uh, very loyal fan base, and we really appreciate you guys. I just want to say that from the bottom of yeah, my... it really feels like a family. It does, it does. You know, 
we have our we have our uh, selected few that always constantly messages us and you know makes us feel good so from the bottom of our heart from the grinding true crimes we appreciate everything that you do <laughs> okay queen of england thank you <laughs> no it's it's been very nice to uh to uh to get the feedback like you said you know we're, we're getting yes. a lot of new people as well saying hey we stumbled upon the podcast or we heard about your podcast and and so that that warms our hearts too that's pretty cool really cool it does <laughs> <laughs> you too renee you too man <laughs> with all that being said <laughs> we're going I to agree. Off. stop it man <laughs> You know what? Just getting out of here. <laughs> Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and all that good stuff. Just type in Grind to Crime. You can listen to us on Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, and Podbine. And for those outside of the U.S., Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. With all that being said, this has been the Grindy True Crime with your host, Maddie Path, along with Gabby Gab and Todd Fox. And we are signing out. What he said. Catch us next time, or we'll be watching you through your window, in your hallway, and under your bed. (laughs) 